morning, church. We will be in Revelation chapter 1 this morning. And I got to go over here and get my notes. Revelation chapter 1. It's all the way in the back of your Bible. Just flip all the way to the back, then come forward, just one book, and that's Revelation. And does anybody need a Bible this morning they would like to follow along with? We're more willing to give you one, and you can keep it as our gift. Revelation, as you're turning there, how many, and I know there's some older people in the audience, yes, who can remember back in the cool days when the new GTOs were going to be revealed and everybody went down to the car dealership because that was a big thing? Go ahead and raise your hand. You're shaking your head with a quiet, Dad, I know you were there. 63 split window coupe Corvette when they were released, you, yep, right there. That was a great big deal when the new cars are released. My generation and some of those after, they've kind of meddled with that. But as the cars are unveiled, it's like, whoa, what is the new thing? Then there was that goofy thing called the Superbird that none of you were wise enough to buy back then that now you wish you would have. Or when the, my generation, or the, especially the millennials, when the new iPhone is released. What are the lines like for that? And the kids, or you, you have teenagers at home, right? Exactly what do they want now? They even know the dates. Do they not? Then, but what is cool, and I remember this, when the very first Star Wars was released. <laughs> I do fit in that category, but I remember that as the coolest thing. And the, who got the Millennial Falcon toy for Christmas? Right? And even recently, when The Last Jedi was released, that was a great big deal. How many of you have seen the new Star Wars then? Robbie, really? Un American. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not going to use you for the illustration. I'm being happy about this unveiling. But I know the new Dodge, Dodge Dart. Oh! <laughs> okay, okay. But Don just had some pretty good stuff. So we have these unveilings. We have these new things that come out. And whatever niche of society, marketing has somehow placed us in those where we get excited about it. I know when new boats are going to be released. I don't know why, I just like that. The new, greatest, and latest. We love that stuff. Now, Revelation is all about your king being revealed. The unveiling. And as you turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, we'll start right there. Your king will be revealed this morning. Let us look at him. Revelation 1, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God, and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. The main point of Revelation is right here. What is the very first word? What is the very first phrase? The revelation of whom? Now, let me, I, I got to do this. When I use the word apocalypse, what do you think of? It's going to get bad. 
If the weatherman says tomorrow's going to be apocalyptic, that's not a good thing. We even made these really cool movies called The Apocalypse and all this, and it's bad. The original meaning of the word apocalypse is literally to reveal, to unveil. To our bank accounts, the unveiling of new things is apocalyptic. But we have taken this word revelation, which means unveiling, and given it the connotation of it's all going to go bad. We are going to get into revelation where things aren't necessarily good, but it is because the king is being revealed. So we've taken the term, um, term unveiling, revealing, and its original is apocalypse, and given it a bad connotation. For those who love and serve Jesus Christ, when the king shows up, that revealing is, there he is. And we sing praises to him. So the revealing of Jesus Christ, the entire book is about the curtain being removed, and here's the king you serve. This is what he is like. This is what he is about. And Revelation is all about Jesus and unveiling him as the king, the Lord of lords, the commander of angel armies. Now, get this. The king of kings, the Lord of lords, chooses to reveal himself to whom? Us, to John. The message is delivered. Jesus is going to use people and angels to deliver his message in this book. And it's all for us to read over the shoulder of a church that was its original recipients. Now, the word is true. Jesus, what he says is true. What is going to happen is true. But you got to ask yourself, if you sit here this morning, who cares? That's tomorrow. I got bills to pay tomorrow. I got to punch the alarm clock tomorrow morning. I got to figure out how to get from X to Y on the road. Who cares? It, the book of Revelation is incredibly practical. And as we go through this, it is our goal as your leadership team to answer the question of, so what? That's in the future. What's that have to do with me? Do I have insurance for that? But Jesus reveals himself to John, and he says what? Blessed is the one, in verse 3, the word blessed there means super honored guest. Blessed, honored ones, chosen ones, super duper special people. Blessed are those who get to read it. Blessed are those who get to hear it. And blessed are the ones who walk it out, who implement it, who keep it. What's, what's Jesus saying? You meet me, here's who I am, I'm going to reveal that to you. Here's the so what. Hear it, see it, read it, and then live it. We're not doing a study so it's cool and I can mark my box and say, well, I know something more about Revelation. Now, as we go through this study, the old, this is the key of the whole book. You've studied it, you've read it, and now live it out. Now, what does living it out look like? We'll end every sermon landing on that. But look, God communicates this message for us to have practical reasons to see it, to read it, and then apply it. Let us move into verse 4. Verse 4, 
to verse 8. John to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is, who was, and who is to come. From the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the rulers, the ruler of the kings of our own earth. To him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood, and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come. The revelation of Jesus Christ to the churches. We are literally looking over the shoulder of your great, 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 great grandparents' love letter. The book of Revelation really wasn't written to you. It's written to these seven churches who happen to be in Asia. It is as if today that the, the would be, hey, here's a letter to Ormond Beach, Melbourne, Satellite, Orlando, Fort Myers, and then up to Tampa. Because these letters were in a circular fashion. And Jesus says, John, I want you to write these down. And this is for these seven churches. So we get to look over the shoulder. Our great-grandparents of the faith, who did see it, read it, and then applied it, because they revealed Jesus to other people, are the reasons why we're here today. Now look. The Trinity is all enveloped in this little paragraph. What does it bring us? Grace and peace. A book that we've now called apocalyptic brings grace and peace. Who has ever said tomorrow's going to be apocalyptic? I can't waste. Grace and peace be to you. Nobody? Only God can write a story which is full of so much turmoil in which the King of kings and Lord of lords could write it in such a way that if you choose to follow him, it brings grace and peace. It doesn't make a hill of mean sense to us living here unless you're following the one who says, through this, I will give you peace. The peace, my friends, is not lack of conflict. Ever been to a family gathering and the definition of peace is that somebody just kept their mouth shut? You laughed. You guys, oh, I shouldn't have done that. You guys just got together. What's God say? Even what I'm going to tell you and how this is all going to end, grace and peace be to you. Through the inner working of the Trinity who will each have their part. And why is the grace and peace? To him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood. This is one of the few verses in here where we're going to look at Jesus who hung on the cross, not the current reigning king. But we get this current reigning king who first went there for us. Imagine this. It's the king of kings and lord of lords who will wipe away your tears because he paid the price on the cross to be able to wipe them. He paid that price. We come to the king because the king first went there. He is the one who has paid for our sins. He is the current ruler of your life, whether you recognize it or not, who is offering salvation because of the steps he took in his initiative for us, for those who would follow him. 
To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, made us a kingdom. Not only did he purchase us, but what then do we get to be a part of with the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings? A kingdom. So not only you bought, the king bought you. He paid the price for you, but he said, hey, I will adopt you into the family and your, your inheritance is going to be pretty sweet. This love letter. Genesis to Revelation is God unveiling himself to us and says, I love you. I want a relationship with you. And here it reaches an apex. I love you so much because grace is the time between knock it off and you get disciplined. How many of you raised teenagers? I know you have, and you're going to resonate with this, and you're probably going to be uncomfortable because you're the son, and my dad's back in the corner. Grace is the time between knock it off and I'm coming up there. Whatever that window was, whether it was 30 seconds or three minutes or whatever you do at home, that's grace. God says, knock it off. I want a relationship with you. I am the King of kings. I am the Lord of lords. I have paid for your sin. And then you have the grace period until he says, it's time for judgment. And Revelation comes as the book that says, recognize your unveiled king because he will not return this time as the Jesus we just celebrated with Hallmark cards. The little baby in a manger. He now looks like a superhero. I would love for somebody to make a movie out of Revelation just to see the creativity. We love a little baby Jesus. They fit in these little porcelain things that we put in these boxes and wrap them up. What kind of action hero would look like what we're getting ready to get to? But friends, family, followers of Jesus, this is an incredibly important message for you then to reveal. The King of kings and Lord of lords loves you, paid the price for you, wants a relationship with you. Can you read these verses this morning and say amen? Amen is in this verse twice. To him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood, made us a kingdom of priests to his God, to his Godfather, to him be the glory and dominion forever. Amen! You hear John write. That is good stuff. Unless you don't like Jesus, don't want to follow him, don't acknowledge him as the king, you're not yelling amen. You would, if you were texting it, it would be, oh, a bunch of little characters. Then he continues, behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. Even though those who pierced him, all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. Our king is returning. There will be a whole bunch of people that say, no, I do not like him. And I will shake their fist all the way through Revelation of saying, no, no, we hate you. And every time God rolls out another judgment, what do they do more and more? No. Even so, amen. Our king is going to dispense justice perfectly. Do you have a relationship with that king? How do you view him? 
Move with me to verse 9. The whole purpose of the unveiling. I, John, your brother and a partner in the tribulation in the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account of the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, Write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamon, and to Theatra, to Sardis and Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Stop there. John is in a tough spot. Anybody recognize the picture at the top? Everybody been to San Francisco? I haven't been. My wife has. And I've read about this. Anybody want to take a guess of what that is? Alcatraz. John's on Alcatraz, except they call it Patmos. It was not a Caribbean cruise line destination spot. So John's on Alcatraz. He's in prison for what? Look at your text. Why is he there? Is he robbing banks? He's preaching. He's sharing the word of God. Jesus has left John since his ascension a long time ago. It could be 40 years. So he goes about and he's written John, 1st and 2nd, 3rd John, to these churches. So he's gone from pastor to prisoner without offense. Stuck on an island. And some of the research says that it was a mining colony at that. So it's hard labor, stuck on an island. And so he's there because he's being punished for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Jesus has ascended, says, go and make disciples. He has done that. And the fruit of his 401k in following Jesus is what? When he cashed in his benefits of following God for his entire life, where is he at? He's in prison on a desert, you know, on a nasty island. Probably doing seagull removal duty or something crazy. All for the testimony of Jesus. This is where Revelation starts. This is where Revelation starts with this guy. He says, hey, John, I want you to tell some people some stuff. He is not sitting in a cushy office in retirement in a retirement community counting checks, making sure that the next $5,000 bill for the next escapade is going to bounce or not. Dude's in prison. How many of us in life right now are saying, you want me to reveal Jesus to my neighborhood? Life is terrible. You don't know what my life has been like recently. But where does Jesus meet John? Boom. And look at the, I can't believe how humble he is. If Jesus had showed up to me and said, write a book, and I'm going to show you, I'd have been this whole big introduction of how life really was horrible when Jesus finally decided to show up. But John says, I, John, your brother fellow follower of Jesus, and partner in the tribulation. He says, I know what you're going through. I am too. Life's tough. I'm a partner not only in what really is terrible, but I'm also a partner in following God and developing this kingdom. And the patient endurance. I love that phrase. The spiritual maturity of this man at the end of his walk with Jesus on earth in this horrible situation calls it patient endurance. I'd have been calling a lifeline, get me out of here. 
So as we're following Jesus now, we're going to reveal him to our community, regardless of the situation. That's where the Trinity wants to break in and say, will you reveal me even then? The Holy Spirit is working in John's life. Maybe John didn't know it. I dare not read too much in between the lines, but I know what my outlook in life would be at the moment. So he's still worshiping God. He's still trying to follow him. He's in prison, and God breaks in. And a voice breaks in like a trumpet. Well, imagine going through life, and it's a horrible week. And a voice like a trumpet goes off. Now, I know we probably have some cardiac arrest. I'd be at the front of the line for that. But God breaks through with a voice like a trumpet. It's not a soft coo of a nice warm-up. You know how you have to get your wife up and go to work, and you, know, you don't want to get her too, too fast because you're going to get punched? No, you know, it's with me. Deb has to wake me up real gentle. But this voice comes like a trumpet. And what does he say? Write this down. Why write it down? He's already covered that. See it? Read it? Then live it. God breaks through out of eternity, time outside of time. Because look, he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, who is, who was, and who will be. Remind you of Exodus when Moses says, well, who are you? And what does God respond with? I am. It's kind of like when your kids backtalk you. Why should I have to do that? Because I said so. But God, in a moment in time, says, I am. I exist. I am eternal. I have no beginning and no end. The great I am introduces itself to John with the voice of a trumpet. And twice in this set of verses, it said, who is, who was, and who is to come. The king that we serve, the one that's revealed, does not age. Exists outside of time. We can't grasp it, but it, just believe me, it happens because it's written here. And he says, write it down. Share it. I want to make a point. Jesus reveals himself to you, not for you. Who's he reveal? He reveals himself to John for what purpose? So John can go back to his prison cell and say, Oh, that was crazy. No, so he could write it down so we could look over his shoulder this morning. God interacts with you so you will interact with others. You are likewise a messenger for Jesus Christ if you choose to follow him. You are a baton handoff person. The amazing revelation, the unveiling of Jesus to John was all so John would reveal Jesus to us this morning. Thank goodness. Now let's look at verse 12, my favorite part this morning. And John turns around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And I, on turning, I saw seven gold lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe, with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like wool, like snow. 
His eyes were like a flame of fire, his feet like burnished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face shone like the sun shining in full strength. This isn't the Jesus that John last saw. I thought, I just got to pause for a second. You spent three years walking with God. Then you come to realize he is God. Then he says, hey, bye, I'm going to die, and I'm going to resurrect. And you're like, no, 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 you stay here and build your kingdom. You promised us a kingdom. I know, I know, I know, I'll be right back. So he says right before he goes, he says, go and make disciples like I've made them with you. I'll be right back. It's 40 to 50 years later. What does John have in his head? Whatever Jesus looked like, we don't have a current Polaroid, Snapchat. But just imagine John, the one he has loved, the one who is his inner circle with Jesus. He hasn't seen him in decades. He watched him literally ascend to heaven. That's the vision. That's the Think of your friend this morning. When they come to mind, you wrap them in some kind of personality and demeanor and look, right? This is what John had to have been doing. Here's a voice, and then turns around and sees this and ascribes to him that he's Jesus. This is why I love the thread of God's story in the Bible. When we read Daniel 7 this morning, did it not sound a whole lot like Revelation? Daniel is another person that God communicated with, broke into when a time in life was absolutely horrible, and said, here's who I am. Reveal me to your people. Reveal me to people. And Daniel's sitting there, and he has this vision. And it's God the Father sitting at this throne. And out of his throne comes fire. And out of his, on the wheels of this throne, there's fire coming out of that. There's a fire stream coming out of this. And he's got white hair, and he's in this white outfit. Okay, that sounds like God, right? Then Daniel has this next vision. When the Son of a Man approaches this God, this Ancient of Days, and what happens to this other, the Son of Man, is given dominion, rule, kingship over everything, and God's okay with it. When does that happen? How does Revelation, look. The thread of your scripture weaves itself through where this isn't the first time we've heard of something like this. John, who had to have known Daniel, when he turns around and sees him, goes, that's the son of man that I read about in Daniel. Daniel really wasn't out of his mind. There it is again. And so shall every one of us, when we see the Lord King Jesus face to face someday, say, yep. I'm sorry to say whether you believe in him or not, you will look at him and say, yep. But just look at this. When you prayed this morning or this week, and he said, in Jesus' name, what did you think of? Cute little baby at the manger wrapped. Maybe an older man with a beard that had been hung on the cross and he had pierces in his hand. 
What I'm thinking, what I'm challenging to do is when you talk to the king of the universe, what is in your mind? When you think of Jesus, what do you think of? John turns around and sees this. Hair white like snow. Eyes flaming fire. Feet like burnished bronze fresh out of the furnace. A voice that sounds like Niagara Falls. A two-edged sword coming out of his mouth. And when he looks, tries to look him in the face, it's like looking straight on into the sun without a welding helmet. Does that sound like a Jesus you ever heard of before? They didn't teach you that in Sunday school, did they? That's scary. I was worried about teaching the kids this this morning. But I'm like, this is really Jesus. When you think of Jesus, what do you think of? Something that you buy in the store and it's on a cross and it looks cool because, you know, you can get those at the jewelry store. Cool little Jewish boy running around. What I'm asking you to do is I'm not giving you the answer. I'm asking you to look what Scripture says and as Jesus reveals himself to John who faithfully wrote it down in words he was trying to put around it. Face sign like the sun. Who is it that you're looking at? Who is it that then you serve? And let's look at this king one more time in verse 17. And John continues, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last. And the living one, I died, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are, and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand, and the seven gold lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Revelation of Jesus and our Savior. How does John react How do you react? Now that your king has been revealed, now that you've interacted with the Jesus that's contained in Revelation 1, you've met him this morning. You've heard of him? You've read it. How now do you react? That's pretty cool. What does our heart do? And it's so hard. We want to be in control. We want to rule. We want to figure things out. We want to mitigate our circumstances. But do we fall at the revealed Jesus King at his feet as if we're dead? And the thing is, to be met with this kind of person I think everyone's involuntary reflex when this happens will be as John to fall dead at his feet. But I love Scripture. Right after that, what's the next word? I just gave it away. I shouldn't have done that. But he falls dead at Jesus' feet. 
He doesn't say, where have you been for the last 40 years? Remember the argument between Peter and I? I'm okay with it now. He died really early. He falls at Jesus' feet. But Jesus, look at this. This is to the king that we just described. But the king of kings lays his right hand on him. Imagine the comfort of that. You take the power of the vision in which John sees and the sword coming out of his mouth and all of that, and what does he do? He's like a tender parent. Just sets his hand on. I am thoroughly convinced that the grandeur of the Lord we serve is also the softness of his heart that can hold tenderly and weep with us. What an incredible balance in the Scripture we have. He just put his hand on him. And then he says, fear not, John. I have died. I now live. I own death and that which holds it. I bought it. It's mine. Don't fear. Then he tells him what again? What's he telling him to do? You've seen me, John. You've interacted with me, John. I've comforted you, John, and I've told you not to fear. So what's Jesus expect out of John now? Write this down. Reveal me to other people. You've met me again, John. The revealed king with the eyes of fire. And now you've met me as also the one who comforts you and say, don't fear. I got this. I rule. Now reveal me. Write it down so we can read it, so we can hear it, and then what? Do it. Put feet to it. Faith is not necessarily something you believe right here. Husbands and wives, how do you know that your spouse loves you amazingly? Because done it over years and time. You can cash that check. Sometimes it bounces. I'm a man. I get it. But you know what I'm talking about. I once heard this. You cannot talk your way out of a situation in which you've acted. But if you've acted your way into a situation with love, how much is in the account of that relationship? Jesus has interacted with you and he says, I, I love you. And then he says, here's how much. I'll die for you. I'll raise again. And I'm going to make disciples so you can do this when I'm gone. And you do this until I return. Reveal me to people, he screams out. Reveal me. Continue the revelation. Continue the unveiling. Communicate it, John. Now, as I say that, how many of you are like, oh no, we're getting into seven stars, seven lampstands, and all that already? The cool thing is, most of the time, the text tells us what it means. And where it doesn't, I'm not going to guess. We've got a few weeks, a, few, a couple months, to get through all of Revelation. I'm excited about that. Right? We're not going to get into why do the locusts have so many feet and all this stuff and be these big charts. I want to skip across Revelation with the 35,000 feet look 
that says, what's the big deal? And why should I care? Why should you care? Revelation chapter 1, why should you care? Because meet your king. This is who he is. If you've never met him before, welcome to Revelation 1. Whew. But I want me some Luke 2, Jesus. I like the baby. Well, Revelation 1 comes with it. Because when Jesus tells John, hey, wait a second, I'll be right back, guess what he's coming back as? This one. And how does the world receive him? But you now have met him. You've been introduced. I have tried my best to unveil this King of Kings and the Savior to you. Will you meet him this morning? Are you willing to humble your heart to say, whoa, that's not what I had in mind when it came to this whole God business? Are you willing to interact with the God who says, I love you and this is who I am too at the same time? Now those of you this morning who have met him, who have said, I want to serve my Lord, are you willing to reveal him? Are you keeping it to yourself? Because John met Jesus, and then what does Jesus already told him a number of times in one chapter to do? Reveal me. Don't you just sit on this information. Reveal me. So who's your king? Currently, who do you serve? The answer to that is, who have you been serving? When it comes to time, resources, and, and what is important to you, to what have you been putting your effort into? Now, I get the whole going to work thing. I've done that. That's, but the intent of going to work, why? For you? Or just reveal Jesus to your coworkers, to, re, to make an income, to be able to pay the bills so you can illustrate to your family all of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. These are all wrapped together. I'm not, okay, so who are you? Who's your king? To answer that question, who have you been serving? And finally, introduce your king to somebody this week. This is hard. Jesus sells Hallmark cards when he's in the little basket, you know, the manger thing. This is a hard one to sell, isn't it? Walk down the street and tell somebody, hey, I serve this Jesus. Can I read this to you? But introduce your king to people in a way because you developed a relationship with them and say, can I introduce to you Jesus? This is what I know of him. This is why I'm having to follow him. But take the time of introducing them because you could just say, hey, can we hang out for a couple years together? And slowly develop a relationship where you can answer when life has those hard questions. And you're there at that moment. This is where you have to answer the question. How will you introduce Jesus? Will you introduce Jesus? Have you met Jesus? 